Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And today we have a very special guest joining the show, fellow podcaster in the track and field world. But before we get into that, uh, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, follow the show. It really helps us know you're enjoying the content and really do appreciate it. So for today's guest, we have, as I mentioned, fellow track and field podcaster, Chris Chavez. He is a host of Sidious Mag, which is a podcast that is pretty big. I'm sure that many of you have, have heard of it before. He's also a writer for Sports Illustrated and does a lot of great coverage on their sport. Um, Chris, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am. I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to join you on this one. Awesome. So... The first question that I have for you kind of stems off of your origins in the sport. So I know originally you actually started off being, what, a sprinter or a short sprinter. And now your goals, though, have kind of of changed. I know you mentioned before the show that you actually want to get your your mile time under five minutes and, and run three hours in the marathon. I mean, what what happened that made you want to go from doing the, the short sprints to now doing races, I'm sure you probably never even thought of doing, you know, when you were, were younger and just getting started in track and field. Yeah. So for me, my running career really starts in high school. Uh, I was just kind of like your average sort of sprinter. My, my PR on the 200 was like 25 one and it came in my, my last race of like my senior year of high school. And so from there on, like the opportunities to even just improve upon that were just few to none. I think like, that PR doesn't get me a lane in college at any sort of like invitational or anything like that. And so I wasn't even going to keep up with any sort of like formal training. It was just kind of like I peaked and there was like, there's probably potential to keep going, but uh, the opportunities weren't there. So I figured for me, like my track career was going to stop in, uh, in college. And then from there, I think it was just that first fall of my freshman year, I ended up watching like the New York city marathon on TV one day. And I was like, I want to, I want to do that someday. And it was kind of around the same time. One of my buddies who went to high school with me also went to the same college at Marquette out in Milwaukee. And uh, he started putting on the freshman 15 pretty quick. And it's just like those, those 15 pounds that come with like freedom and sort of like the liberty to eat whatever you want. You don't have your parents kind of uh, judging you at any point. And so for me, I was just like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to put on that weight. Uh, So I'm going to try and just stay in shape i'll go to the gym a couple times but i guess i'll keep running but for me running i was just like what i guess like i could do charity 5ks here and there like those are a thing i guess um but then i watched new york city marathon on tv and i was like i want to do that someday and i didn't jump into it right away uh, I, I was eager and like signed up to for the lottery for the new york city marathon Did, thankfully didn't get in and, and didn't get picked because that would have been like a really quick jump from 200 meters to 26.2 miles. Um, so about, it took like about a year or so where I did a couple half marathons. Uh, and the first goal ever was to break two hours in the half marathon. And that was, I accomplished that in my first try. And then from there, you know, you kind of just double it and you're like, all right, now I want to try and break four hours in a marathon. Uh, and I didn't get it like in my first three tries at it. I think it took me three tries. Uh, I ran Chicago in 2013 
and it was perfect conditions. I really didn't have any sort of excuse as to why, you know, aside from just it was my first time and I hit a wall and, and it got to me. So I ran 417, I think in my first ever marathon. And then, but it was Chicago and like, I'm still just sort of like, I'm a New Yorker. Like I, I need to do New York at some point. And so then I still have this unaccomplished goal of breaking four hours. So I signed up for New York the following year. Uh, and then I get hurt in the middle of the race. Like I strayed my quad and, and then I had to run walk all the way to the finish line from mile 18 to the, to the end. And so that race went poorly. And so I didn't want New York to leave this bad taste in my mouth. Now, the fact that I'd done it, uh, I still had to, I had to redeem myself and I still have this four hour goal out there. So, you know, eventually I got the chance to run the Boston marathon in 2016 through a friend of mine who hooked me up with a bib and, I did break four there. Uh, I ran 353 or something like that. And then I, at the same point, I needed redemption in New York. So I went that fall and ran New York. Uh, and so kind of like at that point, I just went from, okay, like at the, it, I had a realization at some point where I was like, now I've done three of the world marathon majors. What's the other three? Like, let's just cross them off the, off the bucket list. And so I got hooked on marathons pretty uh, quick. It's a nice way to go and explore places. It gets you, you know, active and training for, you know, 16, 18 weeks in the summertime. And so, uh, yeah, I caught the marathon bug pretty early. Yeah. That's something that I, I don't think I could ever do. <laughs> I had, a, I did my, what was it during the summer in like June or July did, uh, ran 10 miles for the first time. It was longest I had ever done. It's just like a, a straight shot from my house, like down is like, okay, I'm going to run to the park and back. Uh, and I was, and I was usually that's five, it's five miles. And so I'd be like, you know what, let's go run through the park a little bit. I uh, ended up doing it. I'm like, Oh, I look back at my clock. I'm like, Oh geez, this has been five miles already. I still got to go back. I think I took a, I think I took like a five, five hour nap, like right after it. So doing, doing a marathon seems insane to me. Uh, so all the power to you, but uh, yeah, you'll, you'll work your way to a half at some point. And then from there, you'll, the curiosity will hate you. I think the best part about a half marathon and typically that's my favorite distance to run with people is just because, you know, half marathons, there's just so many throughout the country. You can travel for it under normal circumstances. You can get friends involved. You're like, uh, like a lot of my buddies from college now are just sort of like, they got into running during the pandemic and like now they're trying to eat, like as races are starting to pop up on the calendar, they're kind of curious. It's like, Hey, I want to run a half marathon at some point. I'm like, let's do it. Let's pick a good one that like in a city like San Diego or Vegas or something like that, where we can make it a whole weekend. Um, so that's, that's the reason why I think half marathons for me are like really fun to, um, to do is because you can sometimes easily rope friends into doing it and make a whole weekend. Yeah. Running is super weird because from the outside perspective, a lot of people might think, oh, this is an extremely individual sport. You're not actually talking much to other people. It's really just you and the track. But in reality, that's not the case. I mean, you can see from, I mean, just the first few minutes here on this episode that it's extremely social. I mean, could you touch on kind of the relationships and, and networks that you've built through running and, and how that is, you know, help to meet a lot of the people that are, are still probably for sure so I mean for me it started in high school I joined the track team mainly because the guys around me uh were all on the track team and so I kind of wanted to partake in sort of their uh their after school activities as well they were sharing stories throughout the day and I was like I felt left out so I was like you know what I'm gonna join the track team and so that's where it kind of started for sure and then like I would say 
you know, I, when I got to college, it was a lot of solo running for the most part. I didn't have a team anymore. I wasn't training with anyone. Uh, but I was friends sort of with, with the members of the Marquette track team. Uh, so I could, you know, it's easy to, I find that very interesting. It's sort of in my line of work too. Um, being active in the sport helps me relate to sort of the top end of it as well. So whereas like right now I'm training to try and run a sub five minute mile and I'm, you know, I've got workouts that I do and all that kind of stuff. And I'm on this pursuit. I don't see why it's any different than how someone is also pushing themselves to try and break four minutes for the first time. And so, you know, those sort of ups and downs that come with the whole process, I can relate to and kind of touch, uh, you know, meet at a, in, in a sort of common point with the athlete that I'm speaking to. So that I think has also helped me sort of become like pretty relatable to, to the people that I'm covering. Um, and then at the same time, I think my running really started to take off in 2017 when I found a team here in New York City. Um, I joined the Brooklyn Track Club. It's just it was a group of about 40 people, I think, at that point. And like I just had a couple of friends who I knew on the team. And so they uh, were they would meet for workouts on Tuesdays and 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 the long run on Sundays or something like that. And uh, for me to show up on a, to a track practice on a Tuesday. I hadn't done that since high school and I, I kind of like forgot how much I missed sort of that team aspect of things. So joining that team, I was introduced to more other people and like they helped keep me accountable uh, and sort of, and like now everyone's still sort of chasing PRs. A lot of these people have found the sport later on in life. And so there's just this all this untapped potential where for me, I'm still a sponge. I feel like when it comes to distance running, like I was, a sprinter in high school. So I think my sprint PRs might be behind me. Like, I don't think I can push myself to run any faster than 25 for a 200. Uh, but for the mile and the half marathon and the marathon, I, I think I still got some years under me, especially if I can put more mileage on my legs and like, and, and get used to some of these bigger workouts. And so by meeting other people who are also sort of in that, you know, share that same mindset, uh, like it, it has definitely improve sort of that that performance aspect of it for me because yeah yeah I mean like I, I it took me a while to break four hours for the marathon but now I've been chipping away chunks of time at my marathon PR each time out and it's just sort of due in part to training with people in groups for, for, for a while and so the pandemic was hard for sure because you know you have to scale that down and like uh, now I'm not joining a track practice with like 70 people on the track at the same time anymore uh it's just me and like three other training partners for now and like i've really kind of like scaled that down a bit so we'll see i mean now I, as we're getting closer to a return to normalcy when it comes to the sport and racing then like um i'm excited to see what those first couple races are going to be like i'm sure there's going to be a lot of rust but then you know once that comes off then i can you know kind of shift my focus again to all right let's chase some prs again yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to get to a place where you'll be able to have those larger training groups again and, and really be able to get to get back to those workouts for sure. I know how helpful it is to, you know, have a team around you. But for you, um, I mean, you've been around the sport for, for so long. What Which came first, the, the chicken or the egg? Was it your love for running, which made you want to get more involved on the, the media and the, you know, the covering of the coverage of sports? section or was it more that you really just had a love of sports and you had a love of you know being a, a media personality that drove uh your your wanting to cover 
track and field? I mean, which which kind of came first uh, with it, the, the chicken or the egg there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And like, you know, you've you've done a great way of sort of like presenting it because sometimes I'll go and sort of like they'll just add, someone will ask me for like my chronology sort of in, in how the sport, like my involvement in the sport came about and it all just sort of overlaps. But when, yeah, the way you've outlined it, I think it's for me, I wanted to be a sports writer first, um, but that came from me not being able to make my freshman baseball team in high school. I had to pivot to sort of like, I want to remain close to sports. And especially like my dream was to one day call, there's a Derek Jeter quote that's amazing. That's just sort of like, um, now I'm blanking on it, but it's just sort of like something about my office is Yankee stadium. Yes. Dreams do come true. And like, I wanted to be able to say that. And so the dream as a kid growing up is like, all right, I'll be Derek Jeter's replacement. But then when my talent doesn't align with that dream, then I've got to pivot to, so how else can I call Yankee Stadium in my office? And I thought, all right, I could be a reporter and just whether it's TV or radio or, or um, even as a writer, uh, there's a, like, I, I felt that that would be the next closest thing. Um, and so my, my dream, even in college at the very beginning was to be a baseball writer, cover the Yankees someday. Uh, and then there was just a night in May of 2012 where it all changed for me, where I stayed in on a Friday night, decided not to go out for drinks with my buddies. And like, uh, I just decided to watch if someone retweeted a link to a live stream to a flow track meet uh, on onto my timeline on Twitter. And I clicked onto it and it was free and it was, and I was able to watch it. And I was just so hooked because at this point I started running a little bit more of distance stuff and I'd run a 5k and it was like 20 minutes or something like that. And so when I watched someone run it with 5k in 13 minutes, I'm like, wow, holy crap. Like that guy is like the best, like he's going to win the gold at the Olympics. And this is just before the 2012 Olympics in London. And so I was like, I need to know more about these people. Cause like, that's pretty crazy. And so from there, I started to go back and watch races on YouTube, read old Sports Illustrated articles, and just try and learn the sport in reverse. Um, and I got hooked. Uh, and then from there, I wanted I asked to volunteer at a track meet in that was happening in New York City. Uh, I asked Flow Track, shot him a DM, and was just like, "Hey, uh, I'm a journalism student. I'm available to help out in any capacity you guys need." And I did, I showed up and I think I did a good job on that day that they asked me to keep coming, like to help out at a cross country meet that fall in Wisconsin, nailed that. And then they just, you know, kept presenting these opportunities where all of a sudden I was traveling every weekend to track meets in Florida, Minnesota, California. And so I sacrificed those college weekends to instead go out and just watch people run in circles, interview them afterwards, jump on the broadcast from time to time. And so that's, that's kind of like the, the real takeoff point. And then, I, you know, they presented me with the opportunity to go and do it in Europe. And that was awesome. I, you know, I lived out of a suitcase for about a month, just bouncing around from country to country and seeing all these different track meets and how the sport is just out there. And so really it was, it was an, a tremendous opportunity. And uh, you know, I owe, I owe them a lot. And so from there, you know, after that, I got an internship at ESPN, uh, and got to dip my toes back into major sports a little bit for a summer. Um, and then slowly, but surely senior year rolls around and, and I'm kind of balancing what's to come next. And for me, it was, I had a job offer from ESPN and I had a job offer from sports illustrated who I'd started speaking to, I think that February. And, um, 
yeah, I, I, I pick Sports Illustrated because they value the Olympics and like historically have done a great job of covering it. And I wanted to be a part of that and sort of that history um, with a year to go, I guess, until Rio, because I graduated in 2015. I was going to use that first year to really establish myself in any way I could um, to really earn my spot on Sports Illustrated's Olympic team. And so they made that dream come true in 2016. And so ever since then, it's been, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a great ride. I, I, it kind of, it's crazy for me to think back that like I'm going on, I think year nine or something like that of covering the sport, um, which is wild to me. And um, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's been cool. And then in 2017, I started Sidious Mag. And so that's really also been like a whole nother high in and of itself. Yeah, starting where, where you started off, it's an interesting story because it's a very, it's actually pretty much the same origin track story as I had. So I was a baseball player as well. Big, like loved it, die hard, same, loved the Yankees. Uh, my favorite player was, was A-Rod. So I mean, close enough, different, different positions. But uh, so I was a big, big baseball guy. And then actually, so my, my end of the sport came a little earlier, got cut for my seventh grade team. Uh, still to this day, I think it was a political, I think it was political. I, I, there's to, to my deathbed, I'm going to think I deserve to be on that team. Nonetheless, uh, got cut from that team, joined, uh, joined up on my track team from, uh, from our, my guidance counselor. He was like, Hey, you're pretty fast. Like, let's not let your athleticism go, go to waste. Tried out on the track team. And then, yeah, eventually, you know, got involved running, just really loved it and, you know, started doing this. So cool to hear you both. Both uh, could have been potential Yankees uh, shortstops or in the yeah, another life. Yeah, third base, and that could have been us. <laughs> in another life, I'm sure we're we're playing right next to each other. Uh, it's not this one. Uh, and you've had a couple really cool interviews. Uh, I know what major with with Usain Bolt. I believe you you talked to him. I mean, what have been some of your favorite interviews that you've done? I know I'm at it's it's a broad question, and you might not know exactly, but what are some moments maybe that that might stick out in your mind of hey that was it was pretty cool being able to yeah I mean Bolt is the easy answer because everyone sort of like knows him and you know the opportunity presented itself I think two summers ago now uh, for me to interview him one on one in New York City uh, when he was in town and that was a lot of fun and I think my friends talk about one of my buddies who like helps me out sometimes and it's also sort of his way to get up close with some of these athletes because he's become a fan of the sport. Uh, like he came by and he was just like my camera guy for the for the uh, for the interview, and the way the one thing that stood out to him was just sort of like there was a reporter who was going before me and had like 10, 15 minutes with Bolt as well, um, but he was asking the same sort of questions that he gets all the time. It's like, are you thinking of coming out of retirement? You know, what's what are your thoughts on like playing in soccer and like it's just very boilerplate sort of like interview questions that he gets all the time. And then I sit down. And I asked him, I was like, why don't you follow like Justin Gatlin on, on Instagram? And like, what's the deal with that? And sort of like, hey, I see you follow Zion Williamson. Like what impresses you the most about him? Uh, would you make out of seeing like this girl who just ran not uh, like 10.75 or whatever it was? And, uh, and so like it was things that he did probably didn't expect to get, you know, asked about left and right. And it was just I think that's been a key for me is just sort of always keeping sort of like a laid back feel to my interview style. Um, but, you know, the very first time that I asked Bolt anything uh, was in 2013 in the summer. Uh, I went to Paris for the Diamond League meet out there. And so it was a press conference. And at this point, I'm 19 years old, wide eyed and like really wanted to 
ask Usain anything because he's still at this point the biggest deal in the in the in the sport. And my goal that summer was to ask Usain Bolt a question. And so when the press officer uh, asks, does anyone have a question for Usain Bolt? My hand just shot up and I was sitting front row too. And like, they're like, okay, we'll go to that guy first. And so they pick on me and I said a, a couple, a, a bunch of words, but I don't think there really was a question. And so it was so funny and weird because like, I was looking forward to this moment. And then I just had like this major brain fart and somehow Usain Bolt got a question out of it and, and like uh, responded. And so I patted myself on the back. I was like, all right, mission accomplished. You did what you set out to go to Europe for, but then, you know, later on and got another chance to interview him. And then I think a couple times, um, yes, I've, I've talked to him a couple times uh, now. And so, yeah, he's definitely the biggest name, but you know, in my podcast, I've been able to interview, you know, the likes of like Nick Willis and Jenny Simpson, Shelby Houlihan, like these, they're, they're all just super personable. And I think, again, going back to the component of me being able to sort of uh, just get comfortable with these athletes and, and they're, it's more of a just laid back free flowing conversation between the two of us. Like they're able to open up a little bit, share a little bit more race insight. And so it's peeling back that extra layer to who they are beyond just like the athlete that we see that's super fast. And so uh, those are the ones I think that really stick out to me. Similar thing to me have had, many times just brain farts with, with, uh, with whether it be athletes or people that are like, you know, idols of, of yours or people that, that, that you followed. And so can definitely, can definitely understand that with, with your Usain Bolt, uh, Usain Bolt time. Uh, I actually have something that was cool for me. I had the, I was lucky enough to be able to go to the 2016 Olympics. Uh, and we were sitting there for the men's 100 meter finals. We were like one of the first two rows. And uh, this couple behind us, they were from Jamaica and they saw we were American. I had the team USA uh, sweatshirt on and like, they're just, they're just talking so much trash, like the entire time to us. And uh, after Bolt wins, like he's running, he's like running a, to the side and he sees like all the Jamaicans go, going crazy for him. And uh, we're, we're celebrating too, but then they, they're just rubbing it in. Like, ah, we told you Jamaica's the best. I'm mean, like, yeah, I mean, what can you do? Bolt, Bolt's <laughs> That's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the atmosphere there was just electric. Uh, it, it was, and that night was super special. Cause I think like shortly thereafter, or, or it might've been before was the 400 meter world record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, that was early. Yeah, I think that was earlier on in the, the day. Cause I think they yeah, the 100 was later on in the evening. Uh, yeah. It was just great, great Olympics uh, to go to. I mean, it was super, super cool. Uh, really exciting uh, for, for you. I mean, city is, is grown to be big. It's not just one episode. It's not just you doing your one thing. There's, I, I, I think I noticed what uh, just recently, D, like the runners, of, like D3 runners of the world. I, yeah, I, D, I, D3 Glory Days has yeah. joined the podcast network. So that show is hosted by Noah Drotti, uh, the, the 210 marathoner, uh, or no, 209 marathoner. And uh, yeah, I think at this point now we're at 10 shows, which is kind of crazy uh, to think about. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun to build out. It started off, you know, mainly as yeah, I've leaned heavily into the podcast in the last like two years. Before that, it was very much so uh, started off as just a blog and a site that you can get a lot of sort of relatable articles. Um, and we came out of the gates pretty hot. It was uh, the idea behind it was sort of me hitting right after that Olympics in 2016. I came back and I was very, I had a case of writer's block. I just couldn't 
get myself to bother my editors at Sports Illustrated and all that kind of stuff with now, how do I cover the sport the next four years between Rio and Tokyo when a Sports Illustrated audience is very different than the track audience where uh, they don't care about you know, the Peyton Jordan Invitational or like these, the Florida Relays and that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to bother my editor with having to edit all these stories that I'm going to throw him his way. So how can I create a place that will uh, allow me to sort of geek out and provide some commentary and some humor and that kind of stuff? And so that's where the concept of it came from. And then I had a couple friends of mine who were just like, hey, I'm in, like, I'll start it. I'll, I'll help you start. Like, I'll write for the site. And just, it came a cool little space. And uh, yeah, then I think I started the podcast shortly thereafter into in like February or March of 2017. And so now I'm going almost on four years and more than 200 episodes now of, of doing the show. And it's been, it's been really cool because in podcasting has been a medium that I've leaned very heavily into. Um, first and foremost, I think I'll always be a writer, but, uh, there's just something that's a little bit easier of having, a, you know, an hour long conversation with someone and then not having to worry about transcribing it and then crafting a whole narrative and story around it. And then it's out for people to enjoy the next day. So it's sort of that immediacy and the personality that you can get just through the extra component of just hearing people speak uh, that has been very to uh, experience just on my, my side as the storyteller. And then also just sort of as a huge consumer of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from from your side as a, a storyteller, uh, now outside of the not not just as an athlete, but as you know, as as your profession, what would you say is like the current state of of track and field? I mean, I know just recently you did the what was it the the Texas Mile uh, qualifier experience, which uh, you know pr- pretty cool. Uh, and see that you're you're a part of that, um, and as well. We've had a lot of really great distance runners, I feel, and, and just, you know, track athletes currently doing some pretty exceptional things in a year that, I mean, I at least thought was going to be a down year and couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, what, do you, what, are, what are kind of your views on the current state of our sport and, and where it can go from here? Yeah, so everyone's running really fast right now. And I think that's given, you know, I think a lot of, so to some degree, there's obviously like a lot of shoe talk, you know, the technology is getting better. Um, I also think a lot of it too, is just the fact that people are starved for race opportunities. And now this is their chance to really showcase that sort of fitness that they've been building, building, building in the past year where uh, there weren't competitions and races out there. Uh, it was just a lot of people putting in a bunch of training. And so we're seeing the benefits that are coming from that. Um, so I think people are just going to continue to get faster. We're in for a very special Olympic trials um, in June out in Eugene, Oregon. I think that's, we're going to see a lot of crazy races and performances there. Um, On the media side of things, it was a lot of fun to do the Texas qualifier broadcast with the trials of miles team. Um, So that's an instance where we're seeing a lot of people lean into sort of the grassroots effort um, of building these opportunities for these athletes to to show out uh, and put on these performances. So uh, there was a, a two-day meet out in Austin, Texas. We're going to have one on May 1st in Kansas City, and then we're going to have one in New York City on May 21st. And so, again, we're going to stream those live on the City of Smag YouTube channel. And um, 
lean, I guess, heavily into sort of making sure that the production is 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 great and and fun for the for the viewer and accessible because it'll be free to, free to watch. And so, uh, yeah, we're you know, there's just constantly social media is always evolving and changing. We're seeing a lot of people go start YouTube channels on TikTok, and you know, Instagram's always been very popular for for these runners. And so. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always tough to try and think, wrap your mind up to like, how do I keep up with all of this? And so, um, yeah, I think track is, it's, I hope, I hope changing a little bit and sort of just like it's presentation of things. I'm definitely not one of those people who believes everything should be free and, you know, their, their live streams should be free or anything like that kind of stuff. There's a business behind it too, as well. And like some things need to be behind a paywall. And so, uh, I'm not up in arms about like that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm more of just, you know, I'm part of a team that's going to try and showcase four awesome meets throughout the year. Um, and we're going to try and do it for free. It's maybe not the best business model right now, but uh, we're working on it. And I don't think there's a reason why it can't be uh, a little bit better going forward. And so um, there's that, I think. So this, you know, the performances are, are getting better. I think the presentation of the sport we've shown can get better. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a special time. Uh, for sure. And then I think one thing I re really want to lean heavily on too is just sort of not only are we seeing just sort of all these young creators sort of come into the space, but I think we should just be uh, getting them sort of into the mix zone as well, where I look around in a track and field, like at a track and field meet, like the trials or US championships, and I don't see too many people who look like me. That's because, you know, I don't see too many people who are young. I don't see too many people of color. Uh, and so I want to see that change as well. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on something behind the scenes right now that hopefully I think can be announced in the next month or so, uh, about, you know, an effort to try and change that as well. So yeah, it's, it, it's a special time for the sport for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of young athletes right now that are putting their, their, I guess, they're getting their stance to being the next, you know, to, to have a much bigger following. Cause I think up until what, 2016, 2017, I mean, face of track and field, Usain Bolt, and then everyone else. And, and now there, I, I don't think there's any one athlete, like this is the Usain Bolt. It's like, we have 10 different athletes that are all, you know, really big on these other social media platforms and, and things like that, that are becoming, you know, pretty big names. And, you know, it's, it's exciting to see that we have other things going on instead of just, you know, one person that has to carry the torch for our entire sport. Right. That's a problem you don't want to fall into sort of, it's just sort of like once that person's gone, then all of a sudden you're just kind of left scrambling as to like who, who's next and who's going to be that next Usain Bolt. I don't think there's a reason why someone needs to be the next Usain Bolt. I think there's, it'd be nice to have multiple people sort of share sort of like in that, in carrying the sport and pushing it forward. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, so one thing I was, I was checking up on your website and a shirt that I, I thought was awesome. And I'd love, I need to know the story behind this is the, I'm not a world-class athlete shirt. Uh, loved it. Need to know the story behind your, I'm not a world-class athlete t-shirt there. Yeah, it's funny. I always kind of, I always forget all the different products we have up on our, on our merch shop. Uh, but yeah, so I'm trying to think like that one in particular, it just stems from Grant Holloway, the hurdler, I think once responding to a tweet from someone who was saying that Daniel Jones and Tyreek Hill, I think are like faster than like 
than Grant Holloway or any sort of track athlete. And so uh, then the person responded, it's like, but you're not a world-class athlete or, or like you're not world-class. And he's talking, he's saying this without realizing that I think the person he's tweeting to is a world champion in the 100, 110 hurdles. And so I think Grant retweeted it saying, I'm not a world-class athlete. Uh, and so we, we put it out on a shirt. I think I, I sent one to Grant um, to, to rock at some point. And so I'd love to see him, you know, wear it before a meet, but yeah, there's a couple of people who bought it. There's, I think, uh, and sent us like, uh, pictures of them in the hoodie and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, um, that's the story behind that one. We've got some other silly things on there. We've got a shirt that's, you know, inspired by the stop pre, um, like stop sign t-shirt, uh, that just says stop COVID. And that one, I think the proceeds go toward feeding America, the catchphrase I had coined and back in 2018, I think it was like legs are feeling good. I just caught myself saying that uh, two or three days in a row and like on my Instagram story after a run or something like that. And then all of a sudden other people started saying it too. And so that put that on a shirt as well. So yeah, it's just a lot of cool, funny little ideas that we have. On there. Love it. Yeah. I was, I, that was, I was like, okay, this I'm, that's one I'm going to be getting. So you should be seeing not a world-class athlete. Uh, you should see a, a purchase coming through pretty soon there. But, Love it. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for, for taking the time here. Uh, really do appreciate it. I mean, wh- where can people go if they want to follow more from you or, or what the what projects you have going on with, uh, with Sidious there? Yeah, obviously, you know, people can visit SidiousMag.com. place has all our podcasts, all our different shows. I host the Sidious Mag podcast weekly. Um, and that's just, you know, an interview style show where it's a laid back conversation with athletes, coaches, anyone who really doing anything cool within the sport. Uh, and so the Sidious Mag podcast is on Spotify, Apple podcast. Uh, then we've got, you know, I'm on Twitter uh, at Chris Chavez and Instagram. I'm at Chris underscore J underscore Chavez. I haven't been able to lock that straight. Just Chris Chavez on there yet, but yeah, Sidious Mag on all platforms, and I'm sure it's not too 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 difficult to, to find me. But yeah, if anyone wants to reach out with any cool ideas or or anything, I'm always open to to any sort of feedback. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. It's been awesome uh, hearing about you, the stuff that you're doing, and, and some future you know goals that you have coming up. Uh, so thank you, and thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, once again, make sure that you shoot us a follow, subscribe, leave us a rating. helps us know you're enjoying what's going on. And if you want some more content, you can follow us on Track uh, World News on Instagram. Have a good one. Peace.